Hello and welcome to the Pickup WNBA podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. And I'm your other host, Freddie Rivas. What's up? Well, and this is the big 5-0, baby. Episode 50. Thank you, everyone who has subscribed and listens to us. And if you're new to this podcast, welcome. We appreciate you so much. We have a new WNBA season upon us. Uh, We just got to witness the first WNBA game in Canada as Torontonians. That was absolutely massive for us. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, and so much more. Um, Freddie, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Let me just add to that. We also did a photo shoot, uh, with the Sonar Network. So we got some, some hot pics coming out. And, um, if you haven't listened to it already, make sure to check out, uh, our interview with, uh, with, with, with LaChina Robinson. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it was an absolute honor. And I mean, huge week for us, huge week for the WNBA. So it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, shout out to LaChina Robinson. She was absolutely fantastic. Uh, really gracious with her time and her answers. And we really enjoyed talking to her and she's been sharing it on her social medias, which we also really appreciate. So, um, yeah, it's been a huge, huge week for us. Uh, Freddie, let's start with the WNBA game in Canada. This was a preseason game that happened with the Minnesota Lynx and the Chicago Sky. This was really like a big moment for us, but also very much an audition i feel for the city of toronto uh, for expansion will we get a team or not and you know we're gonna get into like you know being at practice and being at the pressers and stuff like that but just to say overall like toronto i felt really showed up and really like passed this test you know like they the game sold out in minutes um the merchandise was sold out after halftime i've never seen that in a stadium ever um it was pretty wild yeah it was absolutely incredible you know i think uh you know there was a lot of sort of uh can the uh wmba um survive in canada is toronto a good fit style questions and i think if i'm not mistaken uh kalia copper and and coach james wade were sort of asked that squarely and i think it was kalia who, you know, said we, we AC, we AC audition. Like, you know, we've talked so much about, you know, our, our analogy. Yeah. I don't think she referred to it as an audition, but she didn't, but I think there was a question that was sort of like, you know, presented as such though, like, this is kind of an audition for us. Like, how do we do? Um, And she even compared uh, it to the, the feeling of a championship. Right. So it's wild. It's wild. And you know, the, the, the statue that made its way around the city, uh, just the, the overall vibe. Like, I absolutely think that, you know, yeah, you, you've brought up a million times kind of like the orange hoodie thing. Toronto, um, you know, did so much more than, you know, just wearing the orange hoodie. We, we showed out 98% of um, merch uh, sold out in Scotiabank. And there was a 506% bump to the uh, WNBA online store. you know, comparing to the uh, same week last year. So, I mean, I think Toronto has done everything it needs to do to put itself at the top of that conversation. And yeah, as a Torontonian and a WNBA fan and podcaster, it was, uh, I'm, I'm proud. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. We um, we found out that we got uh, media passes to attend. It was 
uh relatively last minute i think we only had maybe like a week's notice yeah um but we both got to be there which was very exciting we got to go to the uh ovo center to watch mm-hmm. both the teams practice and uh there was some q a uh time as well and then uh and then the next day we got to go to the game obviously but then we also got to see the uh, kathy engelbert press conference uh prior to the game uh both coaches spoke prior and after the game and some players as well i don't know freddie if you have any highlights from that that you want to share i mean so many so uh i mean i'll, I'll just start with this uh if you um uh, are listening from the u.s if you're one of our american listeners the OVO Center is the Raptors practice facility um, built with the cooperation of Drake. Yes, uh, Drake is involved. Yeah, in... it's literally got like the OVO <laughs> yeah. owl it's on it. It's literally, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so it literally is, yeah, like the house that Drake built sort of. Um, and I mean, I'll start there. I think uh, I'll speak for myself, but I think Catherine a little bit w- w- was also nervous. But, you know, like nervous, excited uh, and you know, uh, first time having credentials, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, how I was going to be treated. And everyone was overwhelmingly kind. We had so much access to the players that I just, I did not expect at all. You know, uh, it started with the, it started with the, um, sky practice. So we got, we, we got to see the last part of the sky practice and, um, then we got 30 minutes to talk to whoever we wanted to talk to. Like I, you know, I couldn't believe it. Um, we did some interviews. Uh, I think this is probably a good place to uh, make fun of myself for my interview with uh, Courtney Williams. Listen, I was nervous. It was funny. I asked Courtney about leadership uh, that went okay. And then I asked Courtney uh, if she would be running any point. And she reminded me that she doesn't play point and she's a shooter. Uh, so I was pretty embarrassed. And a then shooting I, guard, yeah. Yeah. Um, shooting guard, right. And then I tried to sort of recover and, and, and talk about her playing, you know, internationally, like what's that experience like in Canada. And then she reminded me that she's played a lot of international basketball. So um, it was funny. I think me and Catherine both laughed at me. yeah because like i we had this conversation about talking to her about being specifically a vocal leader and like is she the funniest person like on the team does she think in her opinion and stuff like that and then freddie just went in like a whole other direction i blacked out basically yeah i was starstruck you know yeah, it it and it's uh pretty much unusable, but, <laughs> but Courtney was funny. she was nice about it at least. She's confused. Oh. I think she was like, uh, I don't think these people have seen a yeah. game of WNBA in their lives. Oh, and um, also, can I say that she was too cool? Like, have you ever been at a party and you're talking to someone and you're like, shit, you're way cooler than me? Like that's what was going down in my head. I was like, you're like if <laughs> we're not hanging out. You know what I mean? You're a cooler person than I am. And that's I'm, how I felt. The one, that's how I felt the one time I went to a weed dispensary. So like <laughs> in Canada, weed is legal, right? So there's like weed dispensaries everywhere, basically stores, weed stores. And um, there's this one near Comedy Bar, which is a place where Freddie and I both do stand up comedy or you. Well, Freddie does other performance as well, but um, we perform there often. And I was, it's called Cafe. 
And I stood in line there and everyone who worked there, first of all, it's like there's a room and then there's like a back room, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you're in like the second location, so to speak, which is always kind of like spooky and weird. And then everyone who worked there legitimately looked like they knew Drake and hung out at his house on a regular basis. Like that was the level of like cool that they were. And I just like really did not belong. Yeah. They're like, who's this narc? Yeah. Anyway, so that's how basically how we felt at the WNBA practice. And um, but everyone was actually really nice. Both coaches were extremely uh, personable and mm -hmm. easy to talk to. I felt um, I guess they like, you know, they just deal with the media so much that it's just like whatever for them. Um, James Wade shared a story with us about how um one time he was in paris and he was flying home and he got so sick on the plane they had to like emergency stop in a gander newfoundland which is like east coast of canada and that's actually like the story there's a play called come from away and yeah. that's like where it takes place which is people's whose flights had to detour away from new york during 9 11 that's correct right i actually yeah. haven't seen come from away no that's, um, that's real yeah, so we were like, oh, you're like literally living like the play. And I don't think he was familiar with the play or that there's a whole play based on like literally his experience of emergency landing in Gander, Newfoundland. But uh, he was so nice. And like everyone seemed like they were, you know, really happy to be there. Bridget Carlton got a lot of airtime because mm -hmm. she's a uh, Canadian and she was an active player on the links. Uh, Natalie Chanwa just had a baby, so she was not playing but she was there uh enjoying the festivities um yeah i don't know if you want to add to that freddie um yeah just you know that the that the coaches were so um gracious and kind of like you know when when we spoke to uh to cheryl reeve you know even when i would stutter a little bit or the question wasn't you know well articulated she kind of was, uh, you know, she'd yes and me. Like she knew what I was trying to do and she kind of like made me feel more comfortable. Like you can really, I've said this before in other basketball podcasts, but I think the coach is the, is the media conduit and experiencing that up close. Well, it was really interesting, right? Cause the players are, they're sort of a different breed, right? They're kind of, they, they have other things going on. And I think that coaches really are people you know, they're, they're, they're very savvy with people. Um, and, and that showed, I'll also say, you know, this is my first time ever being at a professional basketball practice. So I think in particular, seeing the drills that the, that the links were running and how detailed they were, um, and sort of like the, the motion of like, okay, you know, this person's going to shoot, this person's going to set the pick. Um, and then, you know, you rotate afterwards and then they would change the drill to, you know, finding the, the roller from the pick and roll They change it to, you know, you, you drop it to someone in the key and it was that person's job to attack. They changed it again. You know, the attacking, uh, like the scorer would then have to find someone in the corner and seeing how that all flowed. And, you know, me and Catherine got some good video of that too. It was really cool. Uh, really cool to see in person, just like the, the attention to detail, the athletic ability, um, you know, the talking as well, like how 
there's just so it's just a high level of engagement. And I feel like seeing that up and, you know, up close to personal with a practice was was really like a pretty cool privilege. Yeah. And the links are using um, a system called Noah, which was this like, I don't know, this like advanced analytics, like AI thing that was like in real time telling each player, I believe the, the percentage or the degree of their arc as they shot so it was like 47 49 etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm -hmm. so they could practice on achieving like a perfect arc in their shot um and things like that as well which i thought was really interesting the sky didn't implement that at least not in the half hour that we were allowed to observe the practice itself was two hours and yeah. we were allowed to watch a half hour of it so anyway thought that was um super interesting and then the game itself um you know kathy engelbert did a, a press conference mm -hmm. um where she answered questions about um expansion she didn't say she all, all she said was toronto was quote high on the list but yeah. that they have a valued 100 cities um and then they have since narrowed it down to i think it was 20 yeah. Um, and she wouldn't like say that. where Toronto was or anything like that or where any other city was for that matter. Um, but that they've used a lot of, you know, a lot of analytics, a lot of data. They're continuing to observe it throughout the season. Um, she had also I'm trying to think now what else she said, Freddie. I mean, she spoke for well, a while. Yeah. Can I can I just add to that point? Um, mm -hmm. I feel like if you're a fan uh, or a Torontonian like looking for good signs. To me, one of the best signs came in that moment where she was sort of talking about how expansion works and what the process is like. She, um, you know, she said that Toronto had something like 14 corporate sponsors, which was more than, than anyone had projected. And I think that's a nice way of saying that Toronto is rich and has a ton of money <laughs> and can support this team. Right? Yeah. Until, so, until we can't afford to live here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, in, it's an inhospitable city to live, but it's, it's a preposterously wealthy city that can, I don't want to say easily support a WNBA team, but mm -hmm. you know, I don't really think they're, you know, I don't think there's an American city out there that has Toronto money. Um, and that isn't us like bragging about Toronto. Toronto is the, richest city in canada um and yeah it's it's a financial hub right so i think you are bragging but it's fine a little bit right ovo <laughs> center we're rich um yeah we're no, talking but, about drake and stuff and legal weed anyway yeah it's pretty cool um but lots of things are wrong with toronto uh so uh we'll go in that direction another time but yeah you know i'll also say with with kathy uh, a question that really impressed me um someone asked her about uh, a law that was recently passed in France um, where, you know, the female athletes are not allowed to wear headscarves. And, you know, I thought, I thought it was a question that maybe Kathy would, I don't want to say dodge, but sort of just say, well, that's not our league. I'm not familiar. You know, I can't really comment on that. She did say, I'm not familiar, but she added that that's not something that would, would ever be tolerated in the W. So I thought that was pretty cool that she was sort of like, yeah, like this isn't, I don't have control of a French league or whatever, but that's, that's not going to fly in the W. So I thought that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I um I mean, I wasn't surprised by her response on that, but I mean, she obviously responded in the right way. Um yeah, I mean, the Kathy conversation was very interesting. Um maybe I'll try and clip some highlights of that at some point. I did take a, a video of the whole thing. Um and then obviously the game itself was mm -hmm. huge. I thought the game, you know, cuz it's a preseason game, it kind of took both teams a little while to get going, but in the yeah. second half they were really bringing it and it was a close game and and overall very enjoyable. The fan reception was huge. There were signs, you know, of people being like, you know, you know, future season ticket holder and stuff like that, that were getting like huge applauses in ways I've never seen in games before. And I think like one of the other interesting things about it was because there wasn't anyone like rooting for a particular team. Like it wasn't like a home or away situation. So really it was just like everyone was rooting for everyone. And I mean, I wrote about this in my uh, article. I wrote an article about it for Raptors Republic and just that like this was a mass public sea of pure positivity in ways we haven't had in many years, you know, because it's like we've had all this pandemic related, you know, social and economic doom and gloom and, you know, coming back into public spaces and stuff. And but even with like, you know, you go to a Raptors game or something like that, there's always this like tinge of stress because mm -hmm. you're like rooting for your team you're like hoping they're gonna win or whatever it is and none of that existed here which was a which made for to me a unique sporting experience because i've never been to a sporting experience without that like touch of anxiety rooting for someone yeah it, it was truly people you know rooting for a sport uh, and you know, like a big day for women. And I, I thought that was really cool. Um, and you know, I think if Toronto were to get a WNBA team, obviously there would be a lot of that, but yeah, we'd be rooting for one team and we'd be hoping the other team would lose. Right. So I think it was a very, you know, you well said very unique point, very special occasion. Um, I'll just touch back on the game for a sec. I think I was, uh, you know, uh, I, I we, me and Catherine watched from different places, right? So there's two different media areas um, and all this was new to me, but I watched in the gondola, which is where a lot of the games are filmed, which is sort of like way, way high up. I've never been that high up, but sort of like a bird's eye view. And Catherine was like 116, 117. So I think, you know, completely different perspectives there. Um, and watching from the gondola was, was cool to see sort of how plays break out. And, you know, early on, the defense and the switching was really kind of bothering both teams. So as much as the, the game was kind of clunky and cold, the defense was stronger. There was more communication. And I, I felt like the game opened up as more subs came in in the second half. And um, this is a point I'm trying to get to, but uh, there was a lot of people fighting for their jobs. So there's a lot of people coming off the bench, both teams benches that were not missing shots. Like people were coming in and shooting for their careers. And, you know, to illustrate that point, uh, a really high draft pick uh, just won a championship with South Carolina. Uh, Brea Beal, uh, who we saw in the practices, was waived. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's th that was intense. Like, I understand, you know, me and Catherine were talking about this in the practice. And, you know, you were saying, Catherine, like that it's a part, this is a part of it, right? But I I've never been 
like that that's a that's an intensity that i've never been had that kind of proximity to like people with such a high level of talent you know i think one of the themes of this year is sort of becoming you know the 144 like just how elite this league is Mm -hmm. yeah i uh i completely agree and that's why um you know larger rosters um as well as expansion are in you know very serious conversations right now um freddie we've gone on about this for 20 minutes so we probably should move on Fair. we were excited um and uh let's talk you know we're about to jump in to uh this wmba season and uh very uh maybe shocking to some uh surprising news at the very least with becky hammond and the las vegas aces uh becky hammond has been suspended for the first two games of the season as well the aces have lost their 2025 uh first round draft pick uh as a result of two things one they're referring to as impersonable player benefits and the other thing is about comments uh or unprofessional and unethical comments uh related to dear kahambi uh after she said there was some discrimination around her pregnancy so there's a lot to actually break down here and there's a lot that like is available to a to the public and a lot that isn't available to the public so let's make a few things clear here so when they refer to um this uh impersonable uh player benefits we don't know specifically what that is there were rumors and chatter about under the table payments but it has been stated that there wasn't specific proof that there were under the table uh payments not to say there were but we don't know that there weren't mm -hmm. and so whatever that conduct was in relation to free agency we don't know specifically what that was. Um, and then in the Dear Kahambi part of this, uh, the, the team accused her of signing an extension with the team while knowingly pregnant. And she was offended by that for many reasons. Becky Hammond has been suspended for two games for comments that were made to Dear Kahambi or I'm assuming around her pregnancy, we don't know what those comments were. And then the other part of this is that Becky Hammond is just the coach. She is not the GM. She doesn't have a say in player contracts. And so that part of it is also still somewhat unresolved. We don't know who uh, accused her of signing an extension, knowingly pregnant. We, also, like, why can't she sign an extension while knowingly pregnant? Um, there's a lot. There's some answers, but there's also more questions. That's the best way I could put it. Yeah, you know, I, I think you covered it really well. Uh, I, I definitely can't really speak to the sort of um, like how what the power structure is with the aces. So. Yeah, it's hard to say, like, like, you know, before this podcast. We, yeah, maybe we, she has more sway behind the scenes that is beyond right? her job title. Yeah, that's sort of like my determination here. Or like, you know, if we're assuming that the league got it right, which I don't even know if that's a fair assumption. 
um, that would be where I go. Uh, you know, we looked before. Well, the we podcast. should say that. Um, sorry, Freddie, not to um, no, good. cut you off, but just to say that the league did conduct an investigation since yeah. February, which consisted of interviews uh, with 33 people, as well as the review of text, emails, and other documents. So just to put forward the due diligence that the league did do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly sounds thorough, uh, but you know, as far as transparency, like we don't get to know. You know, this yeah. isn't this isn't like, hey, here's all of the information for the public to consume and make up their opinion. We kind of have to go with whose interests are trying, whose interests are the league trying to protect, and and what is that? What's like the machinations of like the investigation, et cetera. Um, but yeah, we well, that's up- really interesting because I mean, I don't think that this move, like it doesn't not protect the league's interests. Right. Cause like, I don't think it's like a quote, good look for the league to do this right no. before the yeah. season starts. I mean, I actually think they're at least trying to do a decent job holding people accountable. Like they know, like this is one of the highest if not the highest profile teams in their league mm-hmm. um and the highest Hammond profile is, coach yeah easily the highest profile coach and they're starting off their season like this and and i i look at this as almost like a kudos to the league for holding people accountable um because not every sports league frankly would do that mm-hmm. i mean but but if you have a different perspective like that's super interesting to me well, yeah, just to sort of, and I, I was saying that we, like, I don't know what her, how much power she has, but we did look up the GM as Natalie Williams for anyone curious. So, but I don't know exactly what her role and influence in, you know, what the aces are. For me, it's twofold. Uh, I guess just from like a gut, you know, but the way it was portrayed and what I've heard and what I've read, this is obviously speculation, but I believe Dierica Hamby. So that, yeah, I think course. I can put that. I can sort of put that away from the other part of this punishment. Mm-hmm. And it is odd to me that they're looped together. Cause I yeah, feel cause like they're not the same thing. They're I, not the I same issue. Agree. Yeah. So I think like, as far as like, you know, pregnancy and, you know, the player's bargaining agreement and sort of like, uh, you know, you know, like player rights and, and, and discrimination. I think that that to me is pretty clear cut. Uh, if, like, first of all, I don't care. Right. So if she signed an extension knowing she was pregnant, I don't care. Good for her. So that's same, kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, from that's that, why I was like, why can't she sign an extension knowingly pregnant? Yeah. So that seems to me, cause like, you know, that is a form of discrimination, right? Like you, if you're applying for a job, they can't ask you if you're planning on getting pregnant because it's none of their business. So I think in that regard, I am like, great, good job league. Now, as far as sort of like tampering, which is, I think is what this is all about. Uh, and yeah. With the draft pick. Yeah. With the draft pick and the suspension of Becky, or maybe that maybe this, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the suspension is looped in with the Derek Hamby thing. I yes, think it that is. it is it's, explicitly. It is. I think that the tampering aspect is protecting the league in the same way that they didn't want, the owner of the Liberty to pay for chartered flights. Mm -hmm. They do not like these two billionaire owners sort of throwing their money around. And I don't know how exactly they were doing that, but 
you know, if it's a situation where the ACES management is like, we can't actually give you money, but we can show you this endorsement contract that a, that a company will sign with you if you are playing with the ACES. You know, they can do stuff like that. And there's a part of me that's like, that's not fair. I get it. If you're the fever, if you're the links, if you're the sky, whatever, you're like, hey, I don't like that. That's cheating. And then there's another part of me, which is sort of like, I want the WNBA to get out of its own way in terms mm-hmm. of getting players more money. Like if it, I just, I want these owners, like I don't want them to dominate the league, which I guess is sort of what's happening. But I, I feel like in this current position, the league is in, it's helpful to have, to have people enriching the players. It's helpful for, Candace to be like I have my own locker finally like all these yeah, sort that's of so wild yeah you know what I mean and I, that's not you know that's not the same obviously I understand that building a facility is not the same as like doing shady things mm-hmm. but yeah I think that's a bit of a gray area for me but I mean I will also say just to counter my own point I do get if you're another if you're you know whatever if you're Connecticut and you're like hey we're playing by the rules why aren't these two teams playing by the rules? Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, certainly in the NBA, um, tampering is starting to feel like the norm in free agency. Yeah. Like even so, yeah. I, obviously, you know, we're we're we've said it enough for Toronto people, mm-hmm. but like uh, in Masai Ujiri. So Masai is the, the president of the Raptors in his uh, end of season press conference. He talked about how free agency isn't really free agency anymore. Yeah. Um, it's not like you start talking to players on July 1st or whatever the date happens to be. I mean, these are ongoing conversations. The recruiting efforts for players in free agency is an ongoing process. And I think there are forms of tampering um, or skirting around the rules around tampering that happen on a regular basis. Like it, it actually almost feels like jaywalking at this point. But I huh. think what the, I think what makes the WNBA unique is that you do have these two billionaire owners and then everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that has created its own power dynamic within the league. And I think, yeah, I, I agree. It's like on one hand, you have the don't get in your own way league. But on the other hand, it's like, what can these other teams do to keep up? And so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that is a very interesting dynamic. I will say I agree with the league's ruling on it because as the league itself, you have to remain consistent and you have to treat every team the same. So from their perspective, they're not going to not punish the aces, right? It's like, those are the rules and we're going to follow them and we're going to make you follow them. And, you know, you have money, you have this, that, and the other, you'll find your way around it. But it's like, you know, the next CBA is going to be what I think is a landmark CBA for the for the W. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be huge and it's going to be precedent setting for a while. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And, you know, I'll also just add that I think what's so tricky about tampering is like, where does it end and where does it begin? Right. So we had LaChina on um, 
our last podcast and you know she talked about uh um John Quill Jones and and Brianna Stewart and uh I think also uh Courtney Vandersloot playing together you know uh mm-hmm. overseas so they're all playing together already and then it's like there you know do you think maybe there was some tampering there do you think maybe they liked being teammates and we're like hey wouldn't it be cool if we all played together and Stewie was like I'd love that let me rock this one more year with Sue and I'll see you guys in New York um you know, or 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 what about KD was tweeting at Stewie? So are you gonna check KD's tweets? Like, what's you know what I mean? Right. What if what if the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, you know, also the owner of the Liberty, said, "Hey, KD, it'd be pretty cool if you tweeted at Stewie." Well, and what's so interesting about that is these are the same owners, right? The Liberty and the Brooklyn Nets, and with the Brook the Brooklyn Nets attempted the exact same thing. I mean, it failed horribly, but. Kyrie and Kevin Durant were teammates on the U.S. Olympic team in 2016. And like literally just as he signed with the Warriors, they were already talking about what they were going to do next with the Brooklyn Nets. That was actually when that conversation started. And then in 2019, three years later, it happens. And then... Yeah, so then it's like the same, you know, it's the same scenario. It's like they're playing overseas. They become friends. They have a conversation about playing together. They go to the same owners and they make it happen. So, but can you call that tampering? Because it's like, that's their their players. That's their will. Yeah, and, you know, maybe that's sort of just insight we're not privy to, like, what what is like you know from a fairness perspective what's the difference between you know players tampering and then front offices tampering mm-hmm. so maybe that's kind of the difference here but yeah it's all fascinating to me like i don't i guess have a hard enough opinion on it that's fine well i think it's a nuanced issue so you don't have to say you don't have a, a hard enough opinion on it. I think we we both made great points, yeah. Freddie. I'm not bringing the gavel down. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, a gavel, but you know. Uh, before this season starts, uh, there are some rule changes to discuss uh, with this year's uh, WNBA season. We are implementing the coaches challenge dun, dun, um, dun, dun, dun. as well. The uh, transition take foul rules and uh some revisions around bench conduct but kind of a non whatever thing in my opinion but uh freddie coaches first of all i love the coaches challenge yeah i love the coaches challenge i'm a big coaches challenge fan and i want more stats publicly available for the percentage of coaches that get these challenges right yeah, I think I think we're both the same, you know. By the way, I-, I love the two and and the bench stuff is like, you know, listen, let the bench let the bench do their thing. I love bench everything, so like get out of their way. Um, but you know, Cheryl Reeve actually uh, was being in- interviewed by um, uh, Toronto reporter Lindsay Dunn right before we we spoke with her, and she was talking about how. She absolutely intends to use her challenge um, and in fact, use her challenge after the, like the game was already decided, but she did use it in like the last like minute of the game, which I thought was really funny. But uh, yeah, one thing she said that I feel like I've sort of thought about, 
but I've never heard a coach say it so explicitly is that, you know, they're going to have someone on that bench that's dedicated to deciding when that challenge occurs. And in, you know, in a sport where like, it could be, it could be like one point, two points, three points or change the momentum. Like that's a pretty impactful thing. Or like a star player, like not being in foul trouble. Totally. Like, yeah, these are big deal decisions. And I also love that show Reeve not only highlighted that it's going to be someone's job, but that also she might just override that, which I thought Because she's like, screw this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I thought thought that was cool. I was like, because, you know, it gives some insights into sort of the, the, the dynamic of a head coach sort of having to navigate all these, you know, all these assistant coaches, all these players, all these sort of like tactics, but at the end of the day, make the final decision. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all for the challenge. I think it's fun. I think it gives a lot of, you know, it lets, it lets coaches and fans blow off steam because whatever happens in a game, you're at least, you at least get to pick one moment where you're like, no ref, yeah. I disagree. And you know, it's, they're right often enough, right? Yeah. That's the thing. The coaches generally are right often enough that it makes sense. It adds what I consider to be strategic value to the game. And I also personally, maybe it's just because I'm a basketball sicko, but when people complain about the game slowing down or like fourth quarters taking too long or whatever, I'm not in that camp. I think that's a casual fan thing and I would rather get it right. Mm Mm-hmm then worry about how long it takes. Like I am way more like, let's just get it right. Because you don't want to have a game fully decided on a bad call. I totally agree. Um, uh, uh, two points. I'm going to add that I'm a sicko in the same way. Um, <laughs> but where I draw the line is I've heard a lot of people say, if you, if you win your challenge, you should get to keep the challenge. And I don't want a perpetual challenge game. Uh, <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like this idea of a team just challenging all of the time. Maybe you get a second one, but not more than that. Yeah. Like second one tops because it's like, I think what you could do. Cause they'll is, go, they'll go nuts. These coaches yeah. will go. They'll go bonkers. Nuts. Yeah, like I don't I imagine that if like there's some person who's amazing at the challenge and they yeah, just get yeah. it right every time too, and they have like nine much. challenges. It's too much. That's a bit ludicrous. Uh, but you know, I'll also say, and I think this is sort of like an unintended, uh, unintended benefit with the challenge is that, For me, anyways, it reminds me that refs aren't perfect and people shouldn't assume that they are. They make mistakes. That's okay. It's a fast game. You know, I don't think anyone assumes refs are perfect. Well, I mean, the way the way people are angry at refs on a frequent basis. Right. Like, I always feel like and this is just like my sort of basketball opinion. But like, I always feel like if you as a fan if your main takeaway is that the refs cost your team the game, your team's not good enough. And if, if, the, if your team is in a position where the refs are going to determine the game they're they don't really deserve it. Um, Damn. There, there's some egregious times. Hot I know takes, hot takes. I'll drop some hot takes from here and there, you know? No, it's good. You, you are pro ref in a way that more fans uh, should be. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you. Uh, I 
I am not as pro ref as you are because I will throw in a referee suck chant. <laughs> hey, but, you know, but listen, I think, fa- but I, but I think fans use that chant too frequently. You got to use that chant when it counts, man. Cause yeah. I just feel like when you use that chant too frequently, then they don't care anymore. But if yeah. you use that chant occasionally, then you can really get in their heads. Listen. And then they're like, wow, we actually really messed this one up. And maybe we need to give them a bit of a makeup call. That is your power as a fan. And if you uh, quote unquote abuse that power, but you know what I mean? Like if you use it too much, then they don't care anymore. And then you lose that power. So it's like it's a delicate balance. That's my hot take. Honestly, power of the fan, a rant by Catherine Niker. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm absolutely down with you analyzing the power of a fan and honestly a, fu- a future freddy's fun question new chance we need some new oh chance. yeah yeah and yeah that's a like, great one um mvp or or, or ref you suck too Take many people get the mvp chant yeah i want to hear a rookie of the that, year needs, that needs that you know needs to mean? become more rare too we can't be just giving every or, or, good or player an mvp chant. what about a good challenge you start chanting coi coach of the year um <laughs> <laughs> come on you know what i'm saying listen in after Euro- a successful <laughs> challenge in in european soccer they have a chant for every player okay let's let's up our chant game everybody wow. um but wait what do you uh we've been talking about the challenge what do you think of the the take foul rule you like it as well i do yeah i yeah i like the take foul rule as well i also think that adds some strategic value because um you know, if you're like in a close game and you're trying to stop the clock, yeah, sure, you have to still make a play on the ball, mm-hmm. um, and then that can really affect the flow of the game. So, yeah, I definitely think that that's also a good implementation. Yeah, yeah, and we want fast breaks. We want like you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. exciting basketball. So, yeah, like just fouling somebody to prevent a fast break kind of sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, um. Here. Okay, Freddie, let's it's time for your fun question. Okay, here we go. Um, the WMEA is uh making a lot of noise about its uh new uh website, um, uh, the improvements to the WMBA app, the improvements to WMBA League Pass, and I mean, myself included, but a lot of people complaining last year about WNBA League Pass uh, for a variety of reasons. And yeah, it's nice to see that the that the W has sort of taken notice to that. Uh, I think it does have a big impact on how fans experience the game. Um, but, uh, you know, I could sort of list off the improvements, but it's sort of what you think it would be. Better reviews, player highlights, etc. Uh, I'm curious, Catherine... Uh, what is something you would like to see added to uh, to the W uh, website, to League Pass, to the app? What's something you think would be fun? What I would like to add to League Pass is um, for it to work. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Just a function basis. Okay. Well, very low What bar, I would like to but... add to League Pass is it for it to work. Yeah. On a consistent basis. Okay. I would like it to remember my username and password. That's a big uh, I would like for it to have a frame rate 
where it functions like sure. a broadcast. Um, I would like to. <laughs> I think that's it. I honestly think that's it. Maybe a store, like maybe like uh, implementing a WNBA store without insane uh, shipping costs for us in Canada. We have yeah. to pay like all these weird like duties and stuff. It's like really, it's it's brutal. We have proved that we will buy that merch. So yeah, you gotta give you gotta give us free shipping. Yeah, Ma make if I'm it paying, If I'm us. buying something in American dollars, give me free shipping. Yeah, uh, Bridget Carlton joked about. Uh, her family having a tough time getting merch and she would buy it in the US and basically um, give it to them when she when she saw them yeah yeah that, that's, that's how hard much. it was to ship yeah. here the players shouldn't be doing the shipping um, yeah that's what I would like uh, implemented player purolator <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I like it uh, my, my addition is uh, very selfish but it is, um, I, I want more content uh, for local broadcasters and for podcasters um, such as us. Like I want to have a, a part of the website that's like that kind of features this. Oh, uh, you want to be featured on WNBA yes, official. Please, please hire me. Um, and uh, that is my major, major ask. No, but I mean like. Us aside, I think it would be really cool to have like a team link where where you can find like, you know, a Sky podcast where you can find Locked On. Like uh, a WNBA content creators portal. That's right. There you go. You just gave it a good name. Thank you. Well, you had the idea. I had the name. I had the word portal. That was a big word. So, you know, this is why we're a team. We're doing it. <laughs> this is why we work well yeah. together. Um, cool. I love it. Uh, Freddie, thank you so much. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, what an exciting time. Uh, the season starts Friday. Uh, 11 p.m. Eastern, Brittany Griner's return to the court regular season. Massive. 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 I have dinner plans. But I think I'll be back home in time. So uh, yeah. that's going to be my first game. Rooting for my Phoenix Mercury once again. Uh, they said they're going to actually, they said they're going to be able to get, uh, I saw on Twitter today, a player replacement for Skylar Diggins-Smith because uh, she's having a baby. Oh, okay. um, but I don't know who that is yet. So very mm. interesting to see um, what will happen there. But anyway, uh, thank you all again for tuning in. And uh, you can follow us at the Pickup WNBA pod. Uh, we're working on getting some more content there uh, as well. You can follow myself at it's me underscore Catherine spelt C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. And Freddie yourself. Um, yeah, you can follow me, uh, Freddie Rivas, F-R-E-W-D-I-E-R-I-V-A-S. And um, yeah, just thanks for the support of all